The wicked servant one is lazy and is worthless. Lazy, as we define it, is not because he does nothing, sit around uh, just enjoying himself. Lazy in the sense that he did not give himself to the kingdom of God, to the calling that God has given to him. And he's very careful. He's a good man. You know, he's trying to protect what God has given to him. And he never take a single cent from what belongs to God. That's how righteous this wicked servant one is. But yet because of fear, you know, that binds his life. He was unfruitful. And he was lazy in the sense that he didn't think outside the box. He didn't go and solve the problem. He just chose what he thinks is the obvious thing. Buried the talents in the ground. Rather than think, what, how can I multiply? How can I be fruitful? And every one of us here, you've got to think how you can be fruitful. Because if you are not fruitful, when you come and face Jesus in that judgment seat, what are you going to present to Him? What are you going to present to Him? Okay, I hope none of us will receive the judgment from Jesus and say, you lazy and, and worthless servant, you know, you're cast into the outer darkness there. I hope it won't happen to us. But this morning we are going to talk about wicked servant too. Okay, uh, let's read uh, Matthew 24, verse 44 to verse 51. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 44. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in His household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. So, the Word of God begins by saying, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. So God is reminding us again and again I hope we listen. Okay, to be ready. We must know. We must be prepared. We, uh, in order to be ready for the coming, for the judgment of, of God. And then uh, Jesus go on to say, who then? Who then is a faithful and wise servant? We're not going to talk about that this morning, but in our next, next message, we're going to talk about the wise and, and, and faithful servant. But today we're dealing with this particular wicked servant, you know, that is assigned by the master before the master left with 
his household and with all the resources in his household to take care of the servants, the other servants in the house. Who is this wicked servant? Why is he wicked? I think by now we notice when the Bible talks about wicked servant, he's, uh, Jesus is not talking about somebody who's really uh, 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 doing a lot of wicked things necessary, okay? But rather somebody who does not do what he wants them to do. So to begin with, let's ask, why would a master assign a particular servant and give him all the authority over the household, the resources in the household, and ask him, you know, when uh, to distribute food and take care of the servant uh, uh, in an orderly way. Why would the master assign somebody? First of all, you, we, we realize this is a rich man. He has a big household. He has a lot of servants. And this particular wicked servant must have been very faithful, very efficient, very responsible, and very capable. He's able to uh, do accounting. He's able to administrate. He's able to organize things. He's a capable person. And he has impressed the master so much. Among all the rest of the servants, he stands out like the person. So when the master was about to go on this journey, he assigned the most capable, the best person he can think of. Isn't that so? Right? So that's why this particular servant, he was assigned this position. The master left. When the servant was left to himself to take charge, the true color, what is in the heart of this servant begins to manifest, begins to surface. Remember last week we talked about God judges us on performance. This week we are talking about God judges our heart. God judges our heart. He judges a motive. Why we do certain things. Okay, so we can, we can see that this is true because the servant will serve very well when the master is around. So he is saying, oh, my master is taking a long time in coming. If he knows the master is coming today, I tell you, he will be back to tip-top performance. He will be getting everything ready and, 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 and show the best side of himself to the master. If he knows, you see? So he, he will serve only... He, while well, he will serve wholeheartedly and do his best only when the master is around. So the true motive of this particular servant, he wasn't serving the master, even though he was. He was serving himself. He is just wanting to uh, 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 get what he wants for himself. He wasn't serving the master. So we, we, we can be like that, you know. We can be serving God for a purpose, for a motive, other than really serving Him for His kingdom, for His purpose. 
We can be serving God for ourselves, for acceptance, for position, you know, for uh, whatever that, that we have needs of. You see, instead of meeting our needs by coming to Jesus, by having, uh, having the Master to meet our needs, now we are using our position, we are using our gifting ability to, to serve ourselves, not the kingdom of God. And as a result of this, that's why the Master, when He came, He branded Him as a hypocrite. He assigned Him to, to, be, to be the... To, to have a position among the hypocrite. Look at verse 51, just now we read it. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. So you see here, the, the wicked servant, he is assigned a place with the hypocrites. So what he did is equivalent, as far as Jesus is concerned, is equivalent to a hypocrite. He's using God. He's using what God has given to him. He's using the position, the privilege, and everything that God has given to him for himself. For himself. So when we serve with a motive, we serve to get certain thing, not serving to please our master, okay? Yes, we, we want his reward, but we are serving him. We are serving the right person. But when we are serving any other things other than Jesus and what he can give to us, we want from people, from others, what only Jesus can give. We are in a very dangerous position because when God comes, he judges the heart. And sometimes people are so uh, deceiving. We deceive ourselves. We say, yeah, you know, what you do is not important. It's what is in your heart that is important. Have you heard that said before? Yeah? If you have it in your heart, it will tell from your performance. That's a deception. People think that performance, uh, 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 productivity is not important. It is. Because what is in your heart will re be, be revealed from your, in your action. That's what happened to this wicked servant. In his heart, there was wickedness. Even though for some time he can pretend, he can serve because he has a motive. He has a reason. And that's why he's working hard. But once he get it, you see what is in his heart surface, reveals in the way he do things. So don't be deceiving. Don't deceive yourself by saying, well, you know, what I do is not important or my performance is not important. It's the heart. And when somebody who did well, we say, you know, who knows what's in their heart. You see, don't deceive ourselves. If you have it in your heart, you will want to serve God. You will want to serve God the best. You will have productivity. You will think of ways to produce results. You don't just give up because there's a problem. You don't just blame others because there is a problem. You will want to produce fruits for the master. 
Okay, so we will end up like hypocrite because we do one thing, but we think we, we believe another thing. Remember last week, the inconsistency in our performance because we did not hold on to our belief. Our belief is, is contrary to our performance. Okay, so this is equivalent to hypocrisy. And that's why when the master came, the, this is what the, what the master said to him. What does the master expect of us? He expects us to take ownership of the household. When he left, Jesus has gone to heaven. He left with us the kingdom of God here on earth. He left his church here on earth. He expects us to take ownership of the church, ownership of the kingdom of God. That's what he expects this servant to do. I give you the authority. I give you the money, the food, the resources at your disposal. Take care of the rest of the servants, even as they are serving me. Give them their reward, give them their wages at any season, and just take good care. So what, 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 what is that? Ownership. Ownership. You are given ownership. And that's exactly what God says to us. I've given you power. All power and authorities are given to me under my name. And it is for the church. It's for the church. All the fullness that God has given, it is for the church. He wants us to take ownership of all that we have now. All that He has given to us. But we can use the ability to build our own kingdom. Some of us, God has given us the ability, well, all of us, God has given us the ability to gain wealth. But is it for yourself? For your family alone? Or are you doing it because you want to advance the kingdom of God? Yes, we take care, good care of our, our family. Yes, we do live an inheritance for our children. There's nothing wrong. That's from God. But... Is that all that we live for? If that is all that we live for, we abuse what God has given to us. Because what has been given to us is for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Because the kingdom includes everything. All those things are part of the kingdom that, that we're doing. But it's more than that. Right? Do we use it for the kingdom of God? If we keep it, then we're abusing it. One thing we need to know is you do not need to physically abuse a person. You, you do not need to physically do something uh, 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 to harm a person. You just need to withhold resources, right? You need to withhold resources. Okay, in a political realm, when you vote for the per uh, uh, opposition, no funds is coming down to your area constituency. So there is no uh, roads are, you know, filled with potholes and, and, and business are not developing. What is that? There's no physical abuse. They didn't come and send the army and point a gun at your head and say, you didn't vote for me. And No. Just withhold resources and you suffer. 
So when we read the scripture like that, because we thought, oh, it's not talking about me. I, I don't go and harm people. You know, I just mind my own business. I just do what I yeah, care for my family. I'm not a wicked servant. That's what we thought. But when you're withholding resources from the kingdom of God, other people suffer. The kingdom of God suffer. Because to, in order to build a kingdom, it's like building a nation. You need talents, you need ability, you need wealth, finance. You need all kinds of things in order to build, advance the kingdom of God. Without it, the kingdom of God suffer. But when we withhold those things, you see, what happened to the churches? People who withhold. Because we thought, that's the church. You know, in our house, wow, everything is so magnificent, everything is first class. A church, okay. Even if renovation, I'm talking not, not about this church. Huh? I'm talking about typical traditional church. Even about renovation, uh, renovating the toilets, maybe you need to discuss for a few months and, and then you find the cheapest contractor. Oh, you know, we've got to take good care of God's money. So we've got to be wise. You know, the cheapest one, but the most lousy one. But our house, we look for the most expensive one because the most expensive renovator, you know, you can be assured of quality. What a difference. You see, we deceive ourselves. So we do not necessarily need to physically go and harm, you know, but you just withhold your resource. The kingdom of God will suffer. The people of God will suffer. But God will hold us accountable. So, the master expects us to take ownership of his house, of his kingdom. So when you take ownership of the house of God, you take ownership of the kingdom of God, I, I said it before, you have a totally different perspective about church. You have a totally different perspective about a kingdom. When you take ownership, you will take initiative. Because it's yours. If your house has a big hole, you say, never mind. No. Even when it's a small hole, you already look at it and see how I can repair that hole. It's because it's your house. But if it's your neighbor's house, none of my business. So some of us, we look at church as if we just attend church. We don't take ownership. So when you take ownership, you care. Things matter to you. Right? You care. You will take initiative. You know, we don't wait. We don't wait to be called. We don't wait to be instructed. Of course, we are accountable. We don't do things without, without informing or, or, or being accountable. Uh, except the, the normal things you know is okay. If you're doing something unusual, you know, uh, then you need to, to ask. But if it's just calling somebody to visit them, to take care of them, to, to show love, you don't need to ask, can I go and meet that person and shake his hand and welcome the person? It's your house. It's the house of God here. We welcome every new person into our home the way that we welcome them into our own house when we are visited. But do we? No. That's not my job. You see what I mean? 
So we don't take ownership, but God expects us to take ownership. He will judge us from that perspective. And then, to, how does God judge us? He judges us according to how much He's given to us. The more you have this morning, you better be careful. The more He expects from you. You know, this is how God judge. He's very fair. So when He has given us much, He expects much from us. So we are always greedy. We want God to bless us, bless us more, bless us more. But have we ever prayed and asked, God, use me more because you bless me more. I, I know my responsibility is more. I need to uh, uh, serve more. I need to give more. I need to. Because otherwise, we will be abusing our position. Yeah? In the, in the scripture, I don't know whether we read it just now, to whom much is given, much, you know the scripture, right, is, is expected. And uh, so, the wicked servant betrayed the trust of the master because the master expect him to be able to take good care of the house. And that's why he has given charge to that person. That's why he has given him much ability because he trusts that servant. But the servant betrayed his trust. Okay, let's read this verse 48. Verse 48. But the one who does not... Okay, 47 and 48. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So, can you see the criteria how God judged? He said, the servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants. So, the whole thing is about doing what the masters want, fulfilling the master's will, not doing our own thing. Okay, so, so that's how God judges us. He tells us clearly what He wants. And uh, He expects us to do it, what He wants. So we are His servant. And we want to, yeah, those who, whom He has given much, He expects much from them. Okay, so you have to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves, how much God has given to me? How much does He, does he expect from me? Is that what I'm doing now? Is that what He expects? Oh, there's so much more that He expects from me because He has blessed me so much. Some of us, He has given us time. He has given us freedom of time, of usage of time. So there's a lot of things God has given to us and He expects us to use it for His kingdom. Doing what He wants not what we think He wants. Okay? Not what the society thinks, but what He wants. 
and that's very important. Okay, and uh, so we move on. This this first point is the wicked servant. As far as God is concerned, he say he's no different from a hypocrite because he knows. He knows what he should do. He knows when the the master come, what the master expect. He knows. He knows clearly. But he just thought, okay, never mind. He he won't be coming so soon. You see? So he does know. And he's doing different. And the, the master say, I assign him to be a position with a hypocrite. But the second terms that that this wicked servant too is being framed as is found in this verse here. Verse 40, uh, Luke 12. This is Luke 12. Verse 45 to 46. But suppose the servant uh, say to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he's not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Unbelievers. Okay, again you see the terminology that's being used. Assign him a place with the unbeliever. Remember earlier on we read, assign him a place with the hypocrites. So, in some sense, they are not hypocrites. But the final end, the judgment is they are hypocrites because he assigned a place. So these people, uh, the, the wicked servant, he's assigned a place with the unbeliever, but definitely he is not an unbeliever. He is a believing unbeliever. He's not an unbeliever. He does know. He doesn't. He serves the master. He knows the master. He knows what the master wants. So he's not an unbeliever, but he's assigned a place with an unbeliever. If this servant is assigned a place with the unbeliever. Do you know where the unbeliever goes? That's solved the problem, you know, because we're so puzzled. Oh, this person, uh, he's a servant. You know, the, the, the scripture, the way this, uh, the scripture describes it as if the punishment is like going to hell. But how can he be going to hell? Because he believes in Jesus. He's safe. And you see, we have all kinds of questions, right? When we read scriptures like that. So we don't know how to explain but this morning I put it to you. If the person is an unbeliever, where does he go? And if this servant is assigned a place with the unbeliever, where does he go? This is Jesus talking. How are you going to explain it? According to what he says. Okay, so this morning I'm going to define to you what is an unbeliever. An unbeliever is not necessarily somebody who doesn't believe in God. But an unbeliever is somebody who believes God on his own term. Believe God on his own term. On his own term. Give you an example. You talk to somebody, hey, I believe Jesus. He say, yeah, I believe, but uh, my time is not yet. Wait till, you know, my, you see, I got old people at home. You know, la, Chinese. So, I cannot believe. 
now, but wait till they are gone. So does this person believe in God? Does he know Jesus is the Savior? Yes. He believed. But on his own term, not now, because I have old folks at home. You know, I dare not go against them. So I have to do what is expected, you know. We are Chinese and am I the firstborn son? Well, some of them tell me that. So he wants to believe on his own terms. So at this moment, who is he? He's still an unbeliever. Right? Because he doesn't believe, well, he's, he doesn't commit himself to Jesus. He's an unbeliever. He believes on his own terms. We hear people talk like that. Not now, not yet. Wait till I get, uh, I, I, I have enough money or, or, or earn, earn enough or, or do what. You see, they always have a condition, a term, their term. And whether they eventually, well, whether they are truthful or not, we don't know. But anyway, they set a term. You know, when this thing happens, then I will believe. So an unbeliever is somebody who believes on his own term. This servant, he definitely believed, but on his own term. When the master comes, oh, quickly, I do. When the master is not around, I do my own thing. I, 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 I do it for myself. You see, it's all on his own term. So he's assigned a place with the unbeliever. Okay, that's uh, unbeliever. Assign a place with the unbeliever. So what does it mean? It means that Jesus is not Lord of his life. Even though he knows Jesus is Lord. We are saved because we accept Jesus as Lord of our life. He is my Lord. That's why there is repentance, forgiveness, and then belief. Right? So, so He is Lord of my life. So a lot of people, that's why, that's why judgment is separation. Because judgment will, when judgment comes, it will make a distinction between those who serve God and those who don't. It will make a distinction between the people of God and not the people of God. Right? So, our criteria, how we define ourselves, may not be what God defines us. We may think, oh, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. But if you do not let Jesus rule and reign in your life, and you are not doing what He wants, He's not Lord of your life. And if he's not Lord of your life, that's why it ends up with the unbeliever. Because the unbeliever also believes, except on his own terms. That means they are Lord over themselves. So Christians church, in churches, when the judgment comes, maybe there will be some, hopefully not too many, but there may be some, who in every sense of the word is Christian. But the master will say to him, I do not know you. Depart from me. He said, no, no, no. I even prophesy in your name. I, I don't know you. I never knew you. So the heart, the motive is important. But it does reflect in the action. Action may not necessarily reflect the heart because this this." Wicked servant has all the action, but it doesn't reflect the heart. But the heart 
when you have the heart, it definitely comes forth in your action. Because in that scripture, we're going to read it. I'm just not following my notes anymore. In that particular portion, he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoer. That means the person is abusing the gift that God has given. And he gains the gift. Well, you can use some technique. If you fulfill certain conditions, you, you are being trained, hey, then you can give some prophecy. Right? But are you serving God? Do you really know God? Is that why you do it? God judges the heart. Right? So, uh, so an unbeliever is somebody who believes God in their own terms. Finally, we come to, uh, let's read that particular scripture that I mentioned. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Remember just now we read? The servant did the will of his master, what his master won. Here it says again, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, well, many, not a few, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doer. So many, wow, this is staggering, many. So we got to be careful, right? We are in the church. Those who say, Lord, Lord, these are Christian. These are, these are so-called Christian. But what God wants is those who really obey, follow you know, his, his, his will, do His will. And these are His, his people, His servants. And if we just serve ourselves using the gifts and ability and the wealth that He has given to us, we are not honoring Him as Lord. We, we need to be very careful. That's why the Word of God is coming to us, so that we can prepare. We can prepare. Don't wait till the day when He comes, you, you are not aware or you are not ready. Okay, so judgment for the wicked servants. I think we have already read it already. He will cut them to pieces because it's spirit, right? So it doesn't mean that cut them to pieces, then they die no more, right? So it's spirit. And uh, uh, I don't know whether there's a spirit body. That means pain. Cut, pain. Torment. And then uh, regrets, weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So there'll be a lot of regrets. Only if I have, only if I've done this, only if I've changed, only if, you know, there'll be a lot of regrets. And uh, uh, not just a lot, eternity, you know, we're talking about. And then, remember we read about those who know and did not do are beaten with many, severely, those who do not know are beaten with fewer stripes, okay? So that's the punishment. There will be torment and pain and suffering and, and so on. But I just want to go back to a very familiar uh, 
passage just to remind us. God wants us to take ownership. When we take ownership, we take initiative. When we have a motive, we only do what we are told to do, what we are called to do. We will not take initiative. Right? But when we are told, we will do. And this is, this is very, very dangerous. Matthew 25, verse 41 to 44. Uh, then he says to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. Then uh, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in, or in prison or did not, uh, and did not help you? So at this moment, they are all sheep and looks like sheep under the, the shepherding of the, of the shepherds until judgment comes. Then the distinction is being made. Right? So then the goat uh, will be separated because they look like sheep under the care of the shepherd. It will be separated. And who are these who are being judged and punished? They, they are not people, again, they are not people who are unbelievers. They are ready to serve. Except they didn't hear the, the master telling them what to do. Only if we, when, when did you tell us things that we didn't do? Right? If we know, surely we would do, but we never know. So you see, these people, they did not take initiative. Because when you take initiative, when you do things, it comes from your heart. It's natural. It's you. That's why those who gave drinks to, to the thirsty, visit the prisoner, they did it without knowing that they are doing for Jesus because it's part of them. It's from their heart. When you do it mechanically because you're asked to do, it may not be. It may not be you. It may not be that you have love or whatever, right? But when you do it naturally, hey, that is you. And that's what God wants to judge because He has put His heart in our hearts if He's Lord of our life. Verse 45, the next verse. He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So you can see, there's no mistake about the judgment. What is coming for wicked servant too? There's no mistake. It's a place with the unbeliever where there is uh, uh, suffering and where there is, uh, well, if you like, hell, hell. That's what, that's what the unbeliever ends up with, right? And this is what, what is mentioning here. So there's no mistake about how to interpret the scripture. It's clear. The distinction is clear. Okay, so, so we really need to know how God judges. We really need to be prepared and not end up in this kind of position. Okay? And, and, and that's why Jesus gave His life. That's why He gave everything. And that's why we are not to take Him, you know, like uh, for granted. For granted. 
right? And we really need to honor Him and worship Him and serve Him, right? This is, this is what God deserves and what He expects. Okay, we're going to pray right now. Let's, let's all stand.